Hello, this is David Gork, Head of uh, Public Policy at McFarland's, and welcome to the latest in our Policy in Practice podcasts. I'm delighted to be joined by Michael Sholem, Financial Services Partner here at McFarland's, and Gavin Haran, uh, our Head of Asset Management Policy. And we want to talk about financial services regulation in the context of Labour's recent report, Financing Growth, Labour's Plan for Financial Services. Uh, and we'll also touch on uh, something published by the House of Lords Industry and Regulators Committee uh, on the topic of uh, who regulates the regulators, uh, if you like. But let, let's start off with that uh, Labour report, their plan for financial services, that was published on uh, the day of their business conference. And Gavin, let, let's start with, with you in terms of Labour's tone on financial services. There's there's lines in there about how financial services is a great asset for the UK and uh, a UK success story. I think the tone, David, is it's trying to sound positive and collaborative with the industry. I mean, the message is very much we've been engaging with with the financial sector, talking to the industry, and we've listened to what firms have said. Uh, and I think that, you know, as you, you imply, David, at the outset, Labour say their approach to economics is collaborative. That's sort of how they see it. You might call it a sort of corporatist approach, but they've given it the unfortunate name uh, Securonomics. I- I'm not quite sure what that means, but uh, beyond sort of not doing anything particularly drastic. Um, but I don't, I don't really know how this fits with the intention, which we'll come on to, I'm sure, the intention to finance growth, introduce a bit more risk into the system, whilst at the same time, trying to you know imply this approach of, of stability and and well securonomics as they're putting it um, but it, it's very much uh, a sort of pro-industry tone throughout the paper and, and, and michael your thoughts on this because yes it's clearly much more sort of sympathetic towards financial services there's, there's also a, a bit more state involvement there's this def- definitely kind of um industrial st- strategy thinking uh here what, what was your assessment of what labor was saying I think I think that's right. I think the the tone change is notable than perhaps we would have seen a few years ago. In particular, the explicit acknowledgement of the importance of the city as one of the UK's main service export sectors. I think also the idea of a collaborative approach with industry and engaging with industry a lot more in the financial services sphere is an interesting development of tone. As Gavin said, there are a few areas where we'll have to wait to see the detail. So it calls many times through their report for a more collaborative approach and for a proposal to streamline the FCA rulebook, which I think many industry participants would welcome, and replace that great big book of rules with a much more outcomes-based approach. However, they also say at the same time that that will run alongside things like the consumer duty, which they explicitly say they'll um, support, despite it being an introduction of a principle that came in under the current government. So we'll have to see how the twin track of wanting to streamline the rule book while also wanting to provide more protections for retail consumers fits together and how you can have an outcomes-based principle of regulation and how that fits with um, having much more detailed, specific rules around how you treat consumers. And I think j- j- just to come in on that point on the consumer duty, it, it's not, and, and re, uh, rehashing the rule book, streamlining the rule book, it's not very clear how that would be done. 
I think, taking moving to a more principles-based approach, i.e. which rules would you scrap? There's clearly going to be some industry consultation there. So with a few of these things, as Michael's saying, we really don't really know what the outcomes are. But I think it's clear the FCA already has a lot to do. Uh, and only recently their chairman's used the term policy overload of just, you know, having a lot of, particularly after the Financial Services and Markets Bill, which we've, we've covered on this podcast, there's a whole stream of consultation and reform the FCA is going through. I think there will be a question about whether a lot of the things that are being proposed here will be achievable, what the outcomes will be. And, you know, the consumer duty hasn't been entirely uncontroversial. So where that industry consultation happens, we don't know if there will be pushback and some firms will actually prefer to keep stability in the rule book, uh, would prefer to keep a more detailed set of rules that actually make obligations clearer. So I think the, you know, the principles-based approach sounds very nice in theory, but I think there's still a lot to, uh, a lot to decide there. And of course, these things go in cycles as well. Some of us are old enough to remember the, uh, the regulatory regime as it was when FISMA came in and in the 2000s when it was very much a principles-based regime. Um, and some people blamed that regulatory approach, I think somewhat unfairly in some cases, for aspects of the financial crisis as it applied in the UK. So I think given the expert advice that the Labour Party has managed to obtain in relation to this report, I think they'll be wary of going too heavy on the principles-based um, approach as an explicit objective of their policy. Broadly, do we, do we think what we've heard from the Labour Party in terms of some of the, the details here, how much of this is is new, how much of it is existing initiatives. Gavin, as you say, there's there's you know some talk of a sort of policy overload at the moment. Are these proposals coming out of a clear blue sky or building on what is to some extent already happening? Well, we pointed to one of the the new aspects there, the uh the streamlining of the rule book. And there are some other broader principles, should we say, which are new. Um you know, more alignment with the EU, which I'm sure we'll, we'll come on to discuss. But a lot of this, I think it's fair to say, is a, is a sort of retreading of current government policies. Uh, for instance, a commitment to introduce the green taxonomy, to look at the advice uh, guidance boundary, um, to retain the bank ring fence, but to reform it to some extent, to make it more practicable. A lot of this stuff is current government policy. And you might say, okay, well, Labour are making a firm commitment to move ahead with these things. And that, that implies some stability. But it, it's not new uh, matter. And I think the, the, the broad approach of trying to get more private finance into growing the economy and essentially using the state as a mechanism to sort of channel some of that, uh, I think is very much the direction of current government policy uh, too. So I don't see a great deal of new stuff in here but in a way i suppose that's helpful because it implies some stability for the industry except for some of the big things of course which uh, we'll come on to and the the consumer duty uh focus through the rule book which as i've said is uh is not very clear at the moment now kevin you also mentioned the green taxonomy uh point and um the, the labor party and green policy is very topical at the moment following the uh abandonment of the 28 billion pound uh, commitment for the Green Prosperity Plan, but there's plenty in here about green finance. Is this going to be an important theme for a Labour government when it comes to financial services? I, I think it's going to have to be. Where Labour have withdrawn from some of the commitment to public funds, and I'll confess I don't quite fully know the details about which funds will be committed to which projects now, 
Um, but clearly, there's going to be more of a reliance on private finance to do the broad things that Labour uh, suggests it would do if it gets into government. Mm-hmm. What I think we've seen here is take the green taxonomy as an example. The government has committed to move ahead with it, but we don't have much clarity on the timing. And I think what you're seeing from Labour is obviously more of a, a you know an open and explicit push towards uh, these policies. I think the danger, as I mentioned, is is regulatory overload. And we've seen to some extent in the EU where it has tried to be a first mover. It's pushed forward with a lot of sustainable uh, finance regulation. Uh, and there is somewhat of a backlash now and a, and a retrenchment from that. So I think, you know, they're very clear on wanting to rely on private finance, but we need to see how far they go, how far, for instance, they step on fiduciary duties that, uh, that investors have and investment firms have on their behalf. Uh, to try and nudge investment. And also, I think when we look at the broader commitments uh, Labour has made in the in the climate and environmental space, you know, the public targets to end fossil fuels by 2030, uh, banning effectively diesel cars by 2030, a lot of this stuff will, um, you know, whether these commitments remain or not, a lot of this stuff's going to depend to some extent on the decisions that are made about financial regulation. So to take the green taxonomy, it all sounds fine to commit to move ahead with it, but there are really tricky decisions to be made around whether you include nuclear within that, whether you include gas within that. Is there a phasing and transitional element? Uh, this has been really controversial in the EU where the, the commission um, is being sued by activist groups. So you can see that there might both politically and, should we say, in a regulatory sense, there could be challenges for Labour in uh, pushing ahead with this. But you can see they really have to do it, given uh, where they are in terms of the commitment to, to the public finances. Uh, you could look at it a different way, Gavin, and say that um, it's really the Labour Party proposing to continue with initiatives that the current government had proposed a couple of years ago, but have now become much more politically unpopular amongst elements of the current government. Um, so that, as you say, in the EU, working out the aspects of the, the green taxonomy, the EU taxonomy, was fraught with political difficulty on the inclusion of nuclear and gas. Um, And I think what's signposted in the report is that the Labour Party and a future Labour government sees financial regulation as a really important way of um, accelerating that green transition in a way that I don't think it probably will fall to the top of the priority list, sorry, would rise to the top of the priority list in the Conservative manifesto, for example, I think stuff about the green taxonomy may be buried fairly deeply to avoid antagonising various elements of the Conservative Party. So this is an area where there's going to be a bit of a difference in terms of uh, what happens depending on who's in government uh, after uh, a general election later this year. I thought another area that was quite interesting where there is definitely a change of tone compared to the current government was with regard to the relationship with the European Union. And there's plenty in Labour's financial services plan ab- about that. Michael, what do you what do you make of that approach? Do you think it's necessarily going to be realistic that Labour are going to develop a closer relationship with the EU in the way that they intend? I think that the report certainly has a much friendlier tone to the EU. And certainly the contrast is with the current government, which seems to see divergence as of itself as a positive thing. 
i.e. divergence from the EU regulatory rulebook. And the Labour proposal is that they'll adopt a more pragmatic and cooperative approach, working with the EU in areas where it's beneficial. And that's all very sort of mother and apple pie. Um, if you look at the specific proposals, they want to build on the UK-EU financial services memorandum of understanding and forum that now exists that was much trumpeted by the current government. In reality, at the moment, that is really a, a talking shop uh, about the effects of regulation and regulatory divergence and cooperation. The Labour proposal mentions particularly cooperating in relation to green finance, which I think seems pretty sensible, not least because in the asset management space, for example, many UK managers are having to comply with EU rules like SFDR in any case. The more ambitious aims, for example, to explore um, mutual recognition across a range of areas in financial services, that is going to be more difficult. I mean, just recently, we've seen the EU propose that clearing for certain trades will have to move to EU clearinghouses rather than LCH in London. And that's the direction of travel and has been for some time within the Commission and amongst the EU member states that uh, they want to protect the EU financial services market and grow that market and not allow London to have too much of a role. So although I think the level of cooperation will be greater and I think the mood music will probably be better for a, a range of reasons as between the possible Labour government and the EU, I think when it comes down to the detailed policy decisions and the desire for equivalence or mutual recognition, that's going to be a much longer and harder process, even if the uh, people doing that negotiating say nicer things about each other. Yeah, there, there's always that sort of big issue is kind of, if we, if we want a closer closer relationship with the EU, what, what's in it for the EU? That, that's going to be quite a hard-headed discussion. Gavin, anything you want to add in terms of the European issue? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a change in vibes, really, isn't it? I'm not entirely convinced that it could, in practice, be a huge change in policy, or at least not in a, in a way that's necessarily desirable and beneficial. Um, I mean, I think the way you'd read this is to suggest there wouldn't be a, a strong desire to diverge from EU regulations. But I think we have to accept that divergence is already happening, partly written into legislation through the Financial Services and Markets Bill, although there's still a lot of SEA consultation around how that divergence might work. But we are seeing things such as a new retail disclosure regime. We've got now this year... Uh, the UK sustainability disclosure requirements coming into force. So you've already got, particularly on the retail side, already a, a, an element of, of movement apart. So it's difficult to see where convergence might happen again. Um, as Michael said, you know, there's a there's a, a sort of reliance there that we might see more mutual equivalence decisions. Uh, and only recently, the UK government has um, recognised EU usage as equivalent. So it's pretty much a continuation of current policy, we could say. Those equivalence decisions being made on the basis of um, essentially regulatory substitution. You have two different systems. They are divergent, but they try and do the same things. So there's going to be a heavy reliance, I think, on hoping that the EU uh, is willing to accept that substitutive compliance. Now, it hasn't in the past done that. If you look at the relationship between the EU and Switzerland, for instance, the EU, you know, it's your question, David, what's in it for the EU? It was to tell Switzerland you must adopt MIFID and effectively have the same regulations. There's a lot of 
hope here, I think, if you read between the lines of the Labour report, that the EU might be a bit more flexible. Uh, I think that's a, a, a big sense of optimism. <laughs> we haven't don't have a track record of that, but that's perhaps what they're hoping out of uh, you know a more friendly tone, should we say, and uh, a more placating relationship. The end result could be a, a sort of awkward halfway house where you know the UK is still outside of the EU, but it's more willing to adopt. EU rules, which haven't always gone down very well, for instance, so the UK designed its own sustainability requirements because the EU's version was seen to be deficient in some areas. So there's a, this is another uh, point where I think, you know, it's strong on vibes, but I think when we look at the detail, it's not really clear where this will end up and it isn't necessarily a, a, a desirable outcome, but we don't know yet. I mean, I think they could they could look at areas where the EU is actually moving back towards the UK approach. And I think green finance regulation is one of them. So amendments to SFDR look very much like a move towards a UK SDR model of labelling to a certain extent. And I think both the UK and the EU could get get round and agree an anti-greenwashing standard, for example, you know, that, that would be fairly similar to what we have in the SDR. So I'm sure the people who helped advise the Labour Party on the writing of this report will say, look for those easy wins, perhaps, when talking about your relationship with the EU, and leave some of the more difficult things like clearing um, to, to further on down the road when you're looking at the wider relationship between the UK and the EU. Yeah, and we should say that and the value assessments be another area, for instance, where we're seeing some, some parallels. To your point about the people advising the Labour Party on this report, we should say, you know, there are some big and uh, established names who were advising on this report. So it's it's not a surprise that it is very much in conformance with, you know, the broader industry views on these things. But, um, you know, the, these proposals aren't sort of plucked out of nowhere. There was some real expertise behind the writing of the report. Let's turn to one last issue, which is an issue which has long been of interest to, to us here at McFarlane's, which is, if you like, who regulates the regulators or how do we uh, ensure that regulators are accountable and uh, thinking strategically and so on. And uh, we have got mention within uh, Labour's plan about the Regulatory Innovation Office. Michael, do you want to tell us a little bit about what Labour have set out and, and, and what we make of it? Yes. So Labour, as you mentioned, David, have, have proposed this concept of a regulatory innovation office. It actually was proposed for the first time back in October last year, but I don't think it caught very much attention in the financial services world because it was focused very much on the activities of the medicines regulator, the MHRA. But under the Labour proposal, the RIO will set and monitor targets for regulatory approval timelines, which will be a relief to some of our clients who struggle on authorization or change of control timelines. It will benchmark its performance against the performance of the regulators against international comparators and also provide a strategic steer for regulatory priorities. It also mentions in the announcement of the RIO, RIO from October a greater role and a more important role for something called the Regulatory Horizons Council, which again has been around, I think, now for a number of years, but doesn't get any attention in the financial services world, not least because this council doesn't have any financial services experts on it. But the idea behind this RHC is that it will look at 
what the needs are of the UK for future regulation across a variety of sectors, not just financial services. Uh, the Labour proposal is that the government of the day will have to respond to the recommendations and reports of the RHC within a particular period. Now, all of this actually could be seen to be somewhat similar to a proposal that McFarland's had um, and that the three of us have talked about at length last year to have an office for financial regulatory accountability that would act as the supervisor of the financial services regulators in the wholesale market space, but also provide that strategic steer and look, for example, about the merits of diverging from EU financial services legislation as opposed to maintaining um, alignment with it. So the key difference between the proposals, i.e. the McFarland's proposal and the RIO proposal, is that the RIO and this uh, Regulatory Horizons Council are focused across the whole range of regulation, so medicines regulation, competition regulation, potentially gambling commission, whereas we think there's space, uh, given the importance of the financial services sector, for a wholesale markets-specific supervisor of the regulators. And we think that would be helpful in ensuring greater accountability for the FCA and the PRA, and also providing that strategic level of expertise and insight to those regulators when they're thinking about new regulation. Indeed. And uh, just in case anyone hasn't uh, isn't familiar with our proposal, we've got a separate podcast uh, you can find precisely on that particular topic. But it's not the only news in terms of this particular area, uh, Michael, because we've also got the House of Lords Industry and Regulators Committee uh, report sort of similarly you know, looking at what could be done in this space. So on the 8th of February, that Lords Committee uh, issued a report called Who Watches the Watchdogs, which is a, a slightly cliched title, but I like it nonetheless. And one of their recommendations uh, of that committee's report was that the government should create a new independent statutory body broadly based on the model of the National Audit Office. So it would be funded by the government. And the role of this new body, which would be called the Office for Regulatory Performance, would be to advise and support Parliament and the select committees in holding regulators to account for their performance in a systematic manner. So what that is getting at is monitoring whether or not regulators have met met, uh, quantitative targets for their performance, their service standards. Um, What is absent from that proposal is the idea of this new Office for Regulatory Performance providing a strategic steer. The Lords Committee seemed to see that more as the role of government um, and government departments rather than any sort of outside expert body like the Regulatory Horizons Council, for example. So I think that's the key difference. And the other key difference from our proposal for a Office for Financial Regulatory Accountability is that, again, this new Office for Regulatory Performance would focus on the whole gamut of 80 or 90 different regulators across different sectors in the UK economy. Yeah, there's there's clearly a lot of thinking going on in this area, many ideas. I think the sense that the current structure isn't quite right. Um, obviously, our thinking is is best. But nonetheless, it's um, it's 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 welcome that this is a live debate, and uh, 
maybe we will see some progress in the future on this one way or the other. I, I, I think that's right, David. I think that regardless of whether we have a Conservative government or a Labour government next year and in the coming years, we will see some kind of new body put in place that is designed to ensure regulatory accountability to a certain degree. I think there's real merit in engaging financial services experts to be on such a body. And maybe if it's even having a subcommittee or sub-council of the Regulatory Horizons Council to focus on financial services, I think that would be warranted. There's clearly a need for thinking to to happen about the future needs of the UK financial services sector, as well as questioning of the regulators in a more uh, systematic way compared with the current level of supervision that happens under the Treasury Select Committee and also under the new House of Lords Financial Services Committee, which has also been recently announced. Indeed. Yeah. On that point, um, let's leave it for today. But if I can conclude by thanking Michael and Gavin for uh, their thoughts uh, on what, we're, what we've heard from the Labour Party uh, and also this uh, wider debate about uh, uh, the, the watchdog's watchdog. And uh, thank you very much for listening. As I say, we have got other podcasts in similar areas, uh, including our own thinking in terms of uh, the regulatory regime and uh, the scrutiny and accountability of regulators, financial services regulators. So do tune into that. Thanks for listening. 